0: from the Dyckman Farmhouse Museum in the heart of Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Darius Sims, and today we're turning our artist spotlight on writer, editor, filmmaker, and photographer, Brian Mihawk. Brian's novel, The Quantum Manual Style, was published by aqueous books in 2013 his work has appeared in the disconnect volume one brooklyn everyday genius fast company and elsewhere he is also the editor and co-founder of matchbook literary magazine and associate editor of sunny outside as a filmmaker brian created birdhouse films to quote create small films and quick heartbeats unquote his shorts parachutes and three trees in three parts were both official selections at the Inwood Film Festival, among others, and his short film, Sunspots, was selected as a grant recipient of the inaugural Inwood Film Festival Filmmaker Fund from Inwood Artworks. We're going to talk about that, his work, and so much more, but first,
1: Brian, let me welcome you to Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you very much for having me. Sure thing. So how are you and your wife doing? How's everything going? We're doing well, you know, as well as, as you can in a global pandemic, but... Uh... But we're we're both healthy and that's good. So uh, just trying to make it through every day and uh, trying to be creative when it's there's a lot of everyday stress in the world right now. And, you know, with the election and all that stuff, it was uh, I haven't been as productive creatively as I would have liked to have been in a normal year. But um, that being said, you find little pockets.
0: Well, how does one measure themselves
1: in a year of pandemic? I mean, uh, do you you really want to put yourself against something else? No. Yeah, I don't think think it's fair. I think you just have to do the best you can, and whatever you get, you get. I I
0: agree. (laughs) I agree. And listen, you're still here to tell the tale, so I'll call it a victory if you will. Yeah, it's fine with me. Okay, good. We won. We won. Well, uh, speaking of safety, uh, Brian, it's safe to observe you are an artist that wears many hats. Uh, when you're not in a pandemic Uh, (laughs) you're a writer you're a photographer you're a filmmaker all different uh but similar in the sense and that they're all rooted in a form of storytelling Mm -hmm. Uh, can you share what was your gateway artistic medium and how it led you to your varied and distinguished we'll say hat collection of being (laughs) an artist
1: um yeah sure uh I guess my first identity is as a writer, as a fiction writer. Um I I wrote stories I can remember back in grade school. I think my first uh I realized that like you know you can just you don't even when you don't have a lot of money, you can lean on your imagination. <laughs> and so uh you know I w- I remember writing I loved Looney Tunes, so I would write Looney Tunes Cart- I would write like new Looney Tunes, like just draw in the you form. Is <laughs> there I a was, particular character you're writing for? Oh, Bugs Bunny, all of them. I mean, you know, Coyote and the Roadrunner.
0: <laughs> Did the Coyote ever win in your versions? Uh, uh,
1: no, it was. I. I mean, I was a. Re- it was a rehash. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> okay. Um. But you know, so writing early on was a was a big was a big um, my way to express myself. And then uh, as I got older and you know got more serious about learning like how do i do this effectively or how do i do it you know more uh in a in a better way to express myself the way i want um and worked on craft and then eventually i went to um i did an mfa program at umass amherst and in fiction and that was a, a great experience where um i just took 4 years and you know they they just let weirdos be weirdos and and uh you know you just st- study how to be creative and do stuff um but i also got into visual arts and you know uh my cousin and my brothers and i we were we were like what if we could make a movie and with you know just because we sit around the kitchen table being weird and and trying to make each other laugh and so we like pooled our pennies and bought this little crappy camera from circuit city and we uh we wrote we would write little skits and like just to make each other laugh that's it um, but you know, it, things snowball and you start being like, how come it doesn't, how come it looks like this and it doesn't look like that? And you, you know, you start learning things and you piece it together. So started off as a writer and then, um, now I just sort of think of myself as a creative person or, or, or an artist in general, because I, anything can be interesting to me. And I, I'm sort of, whenever I see somebody doing something interesting, I'm like, Oh, I wonder if I could do that. Like, I'm curious about that. Um, But writing is sort of my my first way in.
0: Gotcha. Well, um... I wish I could have read your novel, because it's out of print, I understand. It is. I can get you a copy. Well, you know a guy?
1: <laughs> I know a guy.
0: Okay. Well, well, since it's out of print, and congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, okay. I guess that's some kind of like affirmation to writers writer
1: <laughs> saying, yes,
0: I'm really big. You can't get it. Don't worry about it. Um, I was relegated to reading uh, you know, a few of the reviews and criticism mm-hmm. uh, of the quantum manual style. And it was interesting to me that um, in all of them, in some regard... Mentioned that aside from the narrative structure, uh, it had to deal with, uh, the acceptance within the substance and singularities of one's life. Mm. I mean, if I, if I can't think of theme for the pandemic here, I mean, I don't know You're prophetic, but, uh, but being also very familiar with your filmmaking, uh, over the years, uh, I, I couldn't help but notice that the theme of acceptance, uh, but to be of oneself or one's own situation is very much present in them as short poetic fiction pieces mm-hmm. uh and i'm just curious if this is done intentionally or something that has emerged subconsciously as part of your creative process more than just sitting around trying to make sure life on a dinner table
1: yeah uh, that's interesting um i guess i don't know if i would have thought of it that way but but the, the idea of acceptance, or like, I, I think the, I tend to think of it as um, sort of adaptability or something of like being able to, like no matter, life is going to throw a bunch of things at you. Some of the things will be great, and some of the things will be tragic, and they're both coming. There's nothing you can do about it. And um, so I think the sense of like learning how to be comfortable with yourself and then once you, you sort of understand yourself to some degree. You do your best to know that life is going to throw you fastball sometimes and curveball sometimes, and you. It in a way, it's sort of like you keep yourself. Um, like I try not to get too excited and also not too down but like you know you still want to get excited and you still allow yourself to feel sad or down but you like i try to avoid the absolute extremes because i feel like that's where i lose myself and so i feel like it always works itself into my work that like there's this there's this adaptability as a human that you have to be striving for um because it's going to be great and then it's going to be terrible (laughs) and you have to be able to navigate both because they're going to come when you don't expect it so that's i don't know i don't know if that's an
0: answer to it to your question i didn't know if the question was answerable but (laughs) that's how i interpreted it but but i but i I just i mean it's because i'm i'm always curious but kind of your answer is incredibly acceptable and so thank you very much for that uh (laughs) we'll cast you out but uh it's it's a it's a process question. And I think it's to me what you're, and you, and you even mentioned it too. It's like, I find the best art comes from a very personal place. Um, and best is obviously subjective, but Mm -hmm. I find that that's most resonant for me as someone who encounters art on a minute by minute basis in my life. Uh, I, I, I always find that there's a, a incredibly personal, um, The way people look at life, and uh, and and whether it's a a, a micro or macro, uh, whether you're dealing with uh, psychology, uh, some kind of deep philosophy, or something very quite simple as a ladybug crossing the sidewalk, Mm -hmm. and just saying, "Wow, that's really pretty," Mm -hmm. that's uh, or having a adverse reaction, going, "Oh my god, I hate bugs." (laughs) Uh, Those those are very telling about someone's. Someone's outlook and where they are they happen to be at that particular time in their totally. life at that moment in time and which is all Incredibly valid. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think that it's really interesting to see um, When you, when I see kind of things are reoccurring uh, I just didn't know if you're you're grabbing at some larger questions or ver- or versions at larger questions like Edward Albee is always writing about you know the baby uh, you know, it's, it's, there's 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 some things I'm just curious. Uh, uh, yeah. Artists.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I guess there there probably are things that I always wrestle with and there are some things that I'm wrestling with consciously and then there's things I'm wrestling with subconsciously that I'm not entirely I don't realize it until later. You know, like uh, there was another there was a writer who talked about this, too, and I forget who it was. But, you know, like in my work, there's always there are always ones up. My father passed away in 2005 and he was young and so whether I'm trying to or not, there winds up being a dead parent, dead or dying parent in a lot of my stories. But I'm not thinking like consciously like, oh, that really hit me hard, so I'm going to put that in the story. It's just like, it just somehow, when I look back at the stories I've written, that made its way in a lot. But it's sort of like, that's sort of the stuff that wiggles its way in whether you want it to or not. Mm-hmm. And then, but there's other conscious things, you know, like I've often, I, I do think about, you know i don't know the human spirit a lot and and the fact that humans are like inherently contradictory in their behavior and their ethics and their choices and um that i I always want to i want to keep exploring that in everything that i do where it's sort of uh there's a great film called the apostle um which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And, like, um, that character to me is, like, the perfect example of, like, he's capable of horrible things that you see. But then the rest of the movie is him, like, Helping this community and like building this church, and it's Robert Duvall, right? Robert Duvall, yeah. yeah. He he wrote and directed and starred in it, which I don't understand. It was a major
0: piece of his work, totally.
1: Yeah. And I don't understand, like, and also, and he struggled to get that movie made. I mean, he's Robert Duvall, and he like he had to like he I think he actually paid for some of it himself. But um, to me, that's like one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, and it, at the heart of that movie is this contradiction of like a per- how can a person any person be kind of a horrible monster and a beautiful saint at the same in the same person. Um and I think that's true for anybody. So uh you're at least capable of that in either either direction. So I'm always sort of interested in that, sort of exploring that or shining lights through it somehow.
0: Well that segues
1: perfectly in talking about
0: sunspots, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah. As far as behavior oh, yeah. goes. So can you tell our listeners? Um, who have not uh, ventured onto our website to read about you and your your project, uh, what inspired the screenplay for Sunspots?
1: Um, I guess, I mean, it really is that. It was sort of like I I was interested in making a film that was, in some ways, more of a film that you might recognize. The first two film, short films I made were pretty strange, um, and I was trying to accomplish certain artistic things for myself as an artist but um for sunspot i wanted to i wanted to sort of branch out uh in terms of filmmaking and have like character a character driven short film um and then when i sat down to sort of develop these characters and so that i could put them in a room together and see what they would say to each other um you know this the Similar themes that I'm always writing about came out, you know, it's, it's some people helping other people, um, vulnerable people being taken advantage of, um, a lot of stuff that's just mirrored from the world. Um, but then at the same time, the people who are exploiting other people sometimes have their own reasons. And, you know, like if everybody's, if everybody thinks they're doing the right thing, who's doing the right thing? Is there a right thing? Um, there's so there like i i always like that sort of rashomon kind of uh i don't know that filter that goes over things too um so sunspot I, it's about this character river and she um she's sort of she's a young person in her 20s sort of struggling figuring out where she, her life is going and um she helps she visits this old lady um, in her house and sort of brings her brings her food and produce and stuff and just sort of stops by and says hello. And uh, River comes over one day and sees sort of a, one of the neighborhood lowlifes uh, in there, and she knows that's not right, and she chases him out. And then um, some jewelry goes missing, and then it's sort of this thing of, like, I have to help this person that I help out. Um, but at the same time, that dude isn't just, like, an evil person. He has his own problems that he's dealing with. And so, it's sort of a, an exploration of of who's right and who's wrong when everybody everybody is doing something right and something wrong simultaneously. Um, that's sort of the the underlying current, I think, of Sunspot. It's very interpretive, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I think you should be able to, at least for some films, you should be able to watch a film and say and you know sit down and watch it with somebody else and then. Both of you say, "I think that guy was totally wrong," and the other person say, "I thought that guy was totally right," um, or whatever, you know. And and just to have and and to have a to both be able to point to the film and scenes in the film, like the text itself, and say, "But here's my evidence for why I think it's right," or the, "Here's my evidence why I think it's wrong," and it could be the same evidence. Um, that's always just endlessly fascinating to me. I think so too. I think so too. And
0: so how has COVID uh, – how did, I'll say, and has yeah. COVID affecting affected you and the logistics of this production of creating this film?
1: <sighs> well, I mean, you know, it's heartbreaking to get so close to start making a movie. No joke, I was – I the space was booked for us to do table reads, and, you know, we were like two weeks away. Like I was double – checking the schedule and like sending out emails be like okay well, great we're ready to go let's do this thing you know like on the doorstep of production and it just became clear that this wasn't it was going to be unsafe and it was like you know a, a few days later the mayor was like no anything is happening <laughs> um everyone go to bed yeah Thank everyone you. go to bed you don't get dinner um so that was eh, such a downer <laughs> <laughs> sure. um but anyway but that's small potatoes in the grand scheme of, 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 COVID. Um, so we've had to sort of really just go on hiatus and, um, we've done a few, like I've met with a couple of the actors and done a few, like visual things to just sort of, um, just try to keep the ball rolling, you know? Cause like, there's a lot of pre-production stuff that we accomplish that we have to start over with basically, you know what I mean? Like location scouting, you know, we've lost one actor because, um, you know, move to the West coast, (laughs) you know? So like there's some casting that has to get done again. Um, so there was a hiatus, but it never went totally dormant. It's just, um, you know, you just had to stretch it out and work on what you could work on. And the good thing is, you know, you can, you can never really get tired of reading the script and figuring out where to, where to make it just slightly better, slightly better, slightly better. And then, um, you know with other pre-production stuff you just do what you can do and now now hopefully you know my hope is that who knows maybe in July we're making a movie <laughs> well
0: the well, let's let's hope so but yeah. it's great to hear there are some silver linings though so you this we'll call it a prolonged production period yeah. has allowed you to reflect on the project a bit though mm-hmm. right and is, has has
1: has the screenplay remained the same for the most part for the most part yeah, yeah. i mean like there all of the nothing major has changed but you know like There shouldn't, to me, in a in a short film especially, there shouldn't be a single word of wasted dialogue. Um, So that you know, it's also not an artwork is you could consider an artwork to never really be done. So like, I don't want to overwork it, but um, it was actually nice to get some space from it, put it down, and be like, okay, I'm sad (laughs) about it having to go on a break and we're not going to make this movie maybe until next year, but I'll put it down for a few months and then crack open the script again at some point. And I did. And, you know, and just, just little lines here and there to try to tighten things up and also rethink about the moments of the film that are visual that where that's not dialogue, um, you know, sort of storyboarding type, uh, that type of work um really figure out visually what you want to say and how that will push along the script and the story and um you know i wouldn't have chosen to do it this way but uh who knew it's not all bad you know No, well that's what i'm saying it's like
0: yeah. you you're making the best of it right yeah you're making the best of it and being a writer it can only help you uh, i would think and yeah. in, in, in making the story even tighter
1: exactly uh, which
0: i think is fantastic you have that capability that and you didn't just shelve it. You, no, you, no, no. It's it's been in the crawl, and which, why I'm personally excited to see <laughs> it being made because you know it's just little. The pilot light may be lower, yeah, uh, yeah. so to speak, but yeah. it is still on. It's still and, on, and uh, it's still burning. And I think that again, going back to what you said way early, it's like you know you have this, you know, this, this drive. Uh, something inside of you uh, makes you want to make something. It's very personal, and I think that's. Uh, I'm I'm personally very excited to see this mm. film. Uh, Me too. And so hopefully it does get made this July. And, yeah. um, so, uh, just to what effect, if any, did the grant from the, uh, our first ever Inwood Filmmaker Fund have on the making this film?
1: Uh, well, holy crap. I mean, it was, it's probably going to be the difference between the film being made and not being made. <laughs> um, really? Well, yeah. Cause I mean, I, so filmmaking is expensive generally, <laughs> uh, you know, this. <laughs> um, that said, you know, you can make a film for very little money, um, but what you give up is control. Like, you know, you you we can all write a scene right now and go down to Broadway and film it right now if we want to. We can do it. Like, it, it'll cost us nothing. And so that's filmmaking for free. Um, but what what is the control that we give up? Well, we, we give up, you know, who's going to walk by. We give up the car that's going to decide to honk for 10 straight minutes. We, you know... Um, we give up the exact location where the store owner comes out and says, get out of here, you know, like, um, you give up that control. And so money just buys you the ability to, to have more control over the very instance of film, you know, the, the, the moment at which you are making the film to me. Um, so this film, you know, like I, I do have, ambition to make this film very good, you know, at the highest level that I'm at the highest level that I'm capable of making it. Um, and I want, I want to, I want to be very, like any, uh, any artwork I make, you know, you want to be proud of some more than others. You recognize at some point you're like, well, this is going to be a stepping stone for me. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to feel that way about sunspot i want this to be a very good film um and so i want to have as an artist i want to have as much control over it as i can um and so in making the budget for this you know i also want to pay people (laughs) if i can imagine that yeah imagine that um it's not going to probably be not what they're worth per se um it'll probably be you know a lot of these are sort of token payments but i think it that symbolizes something.
0: I think we all feel that way when we're working on a project, though. We want people to pay.
1: We want, we want value, right? We, right. That's important. Right. And and I want to at least say to you, look, you know, if I want to pay somebody a couple hundred dollars, you know, maybe they're worth way more than that. But I can say, but this is what I can afford. And we're making a, an art thing. And, you know, I'm not going to be making any money from this film. You know, I like I, who knows. But who knows? I, 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 you know. I'm going into it assuming that I won't. Um so but then you know, the people who come and are gonna work on my project, I wanna be able to support as best I can. Um and so and just all the little expenses of films that filmmaking that come up, um, the grant the grant from Inwood Artworks is gonna go really far for for Sunspot. Um you know, I'm all, I all like I was saving my pennies as it was to try to, to try to make the film. And so um, I'd say that that grant probably accounts for 50% of the total budget. Wow. Um, so that's considerable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and makes a big difference for production costs and, you know, where you try to get locations where you have control over the location. It's going to cost a little money. Maybe, um, maybe, you know, you ask nicely and you know, you, you get a good rate maybe. Um, but it's just hard. It's hard. It's hard. Um, you know, like I foolishly set three scenes in a diner, <laughs> you know, somewhere alone kills your audience. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, so then it's like, well, I either, um, I can either say, I don't want to pay for, I don't want to figure out how we get a diner. Then I have to change those scenes to somebody's kitchen or something. Yeah. But, but, you know to me like in that in this film I'm like, oh, but I want that feeling of like the town they're living in this is like a haunt that they go to, you know, like they so I want that I also just love diners mm-hmm. but <laughs> but i want I want that diner to be sort of a little character in the film, so it it's like if I have to compromise, I will, but having that having the having the money in the budget to be like, well, but maybe we can you know just we can make a relationship with a diner that will they will give us a little bit, you know, they'll give us a little bit to... to... Well, we're experiencing it right now, being yeah.
0: set here in Inwood. You have, you know, part of, we record these on location throughout yeah. the neighborhood and Deckman Farmhouse is right next to Broadway so throughout these this podcast and <laughs> others, you're going to hear uh, car radios, yeah. sirens, uh, people yelling at each other on the street. It's New York City life, folks. That's right. Uh, and I've, thats that's the price we pay for well, we don't have a home. This <laughs> is yeah, yeah. this is this is literally in the <laughs> ether. Uh, but yeah, um, carrying
1: around your magic wand, just sprinkling your magic around.
0: Essentially, yes. <laughs> and um, and the and the Dyckman Farmhouse Museum is fantastic, and we're so lucky to be here. And uh, it's such a great cultural institution for our neighborhood. We fully recommend you checking it out, listeners, if you haven't. Um, but whether whether you unless you are yes, uh, you, you you rent us. You have a soundstage available in your back pocket. Great, but that's there or or would you rather put money into right exactly <laughs> your, your uh, an art, an artist's pocket right or would you rather have it in you know that you know that I mean, that, you, that, that, that that jacket you wanted her to wear in wardrobe exactly. says or, a lot more
1: you know like t- to me one of the largest uh hidden costs of film that as a small independent filmmaker that you you don't know until you start making films is food oh yeah the cost of food paying everybody you know like if you're gonna have you know somewhere between 10 and 20 people on set and you're gonna film for eight days mm-hmm. uh over the course of whatever you know weekends and stuff that's a lot of meals <laughs> it's a lot of meals and you know you you can't the you, you know you have to provide meals so like at least that's how i i'm not going to ask somebody to come spend 10 hours on a saturday and then not feed them you know you can't do that no. so uh, that's it's funny how like food creeps up in terms of a percentage of the budget
0: it's a large one yeah well as a multifaceted artist editor filmmaker other than providing the number to a great caterer <laughs> what advice can you give to writers and filmmakers out there who are trying to find ways to create and get their projects out there?
1: Mm. Um, a couple of things. One would be just to keep creating. Like, keep, no matter what resources you have, always be working on something. Uh, you know, always be reading, always be, even if you're. You know, if you run into a, a block in one project, like try to work on something else. Just try to keep your brain going. Um, is one so that you know, whether it's something that you want to turn into a grand masterpiece or it's just something that you're like, I've been really into doodling lately, so I'm gonna just keep doodling. Like that's to me, that's creative work, you know? Um, so always be pushing that forward some way, or maybe if you're in sort of a fallow time, like for me, my brain sort of switches from like, oh, I'm really getting stuff done. I'm really like writing a lot, or I'm you know like pushing a film forward, or whatever, or I'm you know like, you know I've been I've been writing instrumentals music or something. Um, But there are times where that it's it's like I'm, i'm i feel like it's drying up somehow but then i sort of move into a mode of like well maybe it's time for me to watch a bunch of new films that i've never seen or listen to new music that i've not heard or read new books that i've not read and so then that's like i feel like i'm filling myself up with fuel you know um so that's that's another way and then the other to me is just like relationships like build relationships with people be nice it never you'll never regret being nice and being kind and Um, being generous to other people. I think if you're kind and generous to other people and you're creative, you've you've got something.
0: (laughs) Great words to live by. No one can argue with you that, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, Brian, it's been such a pleasure having you here and talking with you. This has been great fun. Well, thanks so much. Uh, Is there a place that people might go to learn more about your work and keep track of your upcoming projects?
1: Uh, BrianMihawk.com.
0: Simple as that, folks. <laughs> Very good. Well, listeners, you can find that link on our Inwood Artworks on air uh, episode page for this episode. So, thanks again to Brian for joining me here on this artist spotlight episode of Inwood Artworks on air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating, reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcast. It really does help. Many thanks to Dykeman Farmhouse Museum here in Inwood, New York City, for hosting us, and to heightsites.com for local uptown promotional support. Uh, you heard it all here. We were filming on location. If uh, you'd like to help us, and as Brian said earlier, you want to give money so we can afford our own studio, and <laughs> we can uh, be, on, be not on location, but uh, perhaps create our own location in the Inwood community as our own Cultural Art Center, which is, I think is neighborhood deserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can support us and all our programming by making a tax-free donation at inward artworks.nyc backslash donate. Uh, you can follow us at Inwood Artworks to keep with all we do on social media channels, which includes Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks fresco pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks on Air is made possible with funding from the NYC and Company Foundation, with support from Manhattanboro President Gail Brewer. And the NISCA Electronic Media Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund. And the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.